Parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Before Shopify, were you wondering, where my sales at? Now you're selling with Shopify, the global commerce platform supercharging your selling. You have no problem selling online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Gary, easy on the cha-ching. <clears throat> oh, sorry, but my Shopify sales are through the roof. Start selling with Shopify today and discover how millions of businesses around the world use Shopify to ignite their selling. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Shopify.com slash listen. It's time for your weekly dose of Wayne's Comics. It's episode 120 of the Wayne's Comics Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. This week we cast our eyes across the pond at Cytoton, creator of many unique and wonderful comics, including Cancer Town, Indifference Engine, and one of the things he talks about is the sequel to that, Indifference Engine 2, and many other books which we'll talk about during our interview. He's got a really interesting perspective. He gets his story ideas from many places that I'd never get them, and that's, of course, the creative process at work. So I'm sure you're going to enjoy what he has to say. Then everything wraps up with some news items that I think you should know about. There's a lot to get to, so let's get on with the show. I want to welcome back to the podcast, Cy Deton, one of the creators of many good things, including Indifference Engine and Slaughterman's Creed and many other good things. So, how are you doing today, Cy? Yeah, pretty good. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, it's good to talk with you again, and I understand you're following up from one of my favorite books of yours, The Indifference Engine. Do you want to talk a little bit about what that universe is going on, what's happening there? Yeah, sure. Okay, well, The Indifference Engine was, I guess, my second creator-owned book, mm-hmm. and it really is about a guy who's uh, he's a 20-something suburban slacker, a bit of a doormat, who inadvertently gets sort of recruited into a, a, an interdimensional task force staffed entirely by superhuman alternate reality versions of himself. Hmm. So it kind of charts his progression from absolute career zero to essentially a one-man extinction event. Hmm. And yeah, it was pretty well received and we were very happy with, the, with how it all came out. And mm-hmm. I'd always had in mind that I wanted to go further with this book and kind of close the loop on it. Because mm-hmm. we left him in a, a situation which we felt could obviously just launch off in a, in a dozen different directions. Mm-hmm. And so we've done that. Now, mm-hmm. we've, we've launched off in all those different directions. And I guess you might say that the second volume is a little less reserved, I want to say, a little less mm-hmm. conservative than the, mm-hmm. uh, than the original. Mm-hmm. And so now we've got this former mid-level programmer turned invulnerable murder factory and without, I don't, obviously, there's going to be a certain amount of spoilerizing for the 
the people, anyone who hasn't read the, the first one, but uh, that's just really unavoidable. But uh, he's sort of been blackmailed now into slaughtering his way through this web of interconnected parallel realities to locate and destroy every single other version of himself. Hmm. And by necessity, as he's doing that, he's essentially destroying every world that he passes through mm-hmm. until one of his targets is going to present him with an opportunity to break this cycle and it's his only chance of freedom and all it's going to cost him is the future <laughs> okay i'm going to be curious to see how that resolves because <laughs> uh, what good is is living if you don't have a future you know so we'll have to see what that's going to be but as always your stuff is always very profound and very interesting and it's unlike a lot of the american books because it's it's got a lot of depth to it and thought and sometimes the superhero books over here on the other kinds of comics tend to be a little less on the on the brains part. And, you know, it's mostly punching and kicking and, and seeing what's going on <laughs> in the aftermath. But uh, I always liked your stuff because I have to think about what I'm reading, and that's always a great thing. Oh, well, cool. Thank you. So now the second issue now, are you going to collect these into a trade eventually, or is yeah, this going to be... It's, uh, it's going to be collected originally. I think the, the first launch is going to be physically as a four-chapter book. Mm-hmm. And then they usually do a, an episodic digital release alongside that. Mm-hmm. So that I, I would anticipate the book coming out as a single volume. Mm-hmm. Now, I wasn't aware. Is the same artist in the second volume as was the first? We had Rob Carey on the first one. We were very lucky to get him. It was his first, uh, his first professional work. But, uh, yeah, he wasn't able to commit to the second one because of the time schedule that we had. Mm-hmm. So uh, we've got a guy called, called Russell Leach who is just a miracle worker. Uh, he's, uh, I mean, <laughs> I'm saying this now, you know, under the shadow of him having, in the last two days, turned in eight pages, <laughs> which is, I've never even heard of that happening before. And <laughs> he, calls, he calls them loose pencils, mm-hmm. but they're so tight, they're so good, that uh, Nick Wilkinson, who's lettering the book, mm-hmm. is able to letter directly over them. So they're, they're, they're as clean and as tight and as precise as most people's finished art. And he's just calling this, this is his loose work that he's going to then you know, clean up <laughs> to whatever extent that's even possible. But yeah, so Russ Leach is an absolute machine. So we're, well, I can s- we're really excited about, about, uh, about having met him. I can see why he's in demand. If he can turn in something that's that good on the first round, then people are probably going to be going, man, we can get things moving a lot faster. Hell yeah, I've, I've signed him up to another book already. Oh, have you? Okay. <laughs> yeah. the, mo- the moment he downs to, uh, tools on uh, Indifference Engine 2, I've got him going on the next Marcosia book we have signed. Oh, great. Oh, great. I was, I was wondering from that. Now, how is this going to work? Because uh, I'm in the States and you're, of course, over in, in the UK. You can access the digital versions over here as well as over there? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. They're going to be in, in all the, the, the usual places. You know, they stick them on Comixology and what have you. Mm-hmm. There are uh, means and mechanisms of getting hold of uh, my work uh, physically in the States. Mm-hmm. I don't specifically know all the ins and outs of it, but uh, it, I, I know that it has been done and can be done. So, mm-hmm. Okay, well, that's good. Well, Comixology is probably a good place to go, mm. and at least start there, because uh, uh, they seem to be the biggest. There are some folks trying to compete with uh, Comixology over here, but they're so far behind right now that uh, it's going to take them a long time before people even know these people are selling digital books. Well, competition in the market <laughs> is always a good thing, <laughs> Oh, I agree. I think it's great. I, I, it's like, I, I think it's great to have variety in writing like what you're doing as opposed to – as much as I love Batman, it's, it's nice to read Batman, but it's nice to read something else too. I mean, it, it is important, I think, to show that there's other things that are on offer. You know, it's, a, it's a very 
very broad medium. And uh, the fact that, that so much of the spotlight of attention is always focused on one very narrow end of it is constantly perplexing to me. Because, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I, I know it, since I've been working in comics, I've met, you know, dozens of really talented creative teams. And mm-hmm. I've yet to really meet one who's actually strongly focused on purely mainstream superhero work, either in what they're producing or in what they're consuming. Mm-hmm. So there's a huge amount of that uh, out there, particularly, you know, in, in the, the indie section where I'm centered, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, it's kind of interesting because have you ever written a superhero book? I don't think you have, have you? Uh, it's an interesting question. I've, I've written what might loosely have been termed one uh, mm-hmm. that's actually under contract to, uh, for uh, Marcosia mm-hmm. at the moment called The Ragged Man. But as oh. to whether or not we'll ever actually see that now, I'm not, oh. I'm not certain that it's the, uh, the art team got a, the stereotypical uh, offer they couldn't, le- legitimately could not refuse. Mm. <laughs> it would break my heart so much to have, uh, have another art team try and pick up where, where mm. that, whether or not that'll ever happen. However, there mm. is another book that I'm, the one that I'm writing right now, purely mm-hmm. speculatively. Mm-hmm. Um, I set out with the, honestly, the, the best intentions to make this my 12-rated, uh, <laughs> all-ages, family-friendly superhero title, just to flex those muscles a bit, just, mm-hmm. to, just to see what I had in me. And those good mm-hmm. intentions lasted uh, up until about the first atrocity on page two. And then I realized <laughs> that this story had to go somewhere else entirely, and that's what's happening with that now. So. Okay. Well, you know, not everybody is, is made for superheroes, and that's a good thing, I think. You know, some people are actually able to tell other kinds of stories, and I really like that. It's interesting you talk about that, because I've noticed a big trend where, I, I don't know if you heard the recently, Scott Snyder, who does Batman, he actually signed down with Image oh, sure, yeah. to write a book called Witches. And, you know, I first I panicked, because I thought, <laughs> oh, no, he's going to leave Batman, and I'm going to be, and, and you know, he's going to go over to Image, and I, much as I, I would follow his writing, I was still sort of, I love what he's doing on Batman. But I think what's happening now is I think the audience is warming up more to your kind of writing, which I think is a great thing. I, I think, you know, because... I mean, I think, I'd like to think so. I certainly think it's important to acknowledge that we're not so much losing a Batman writer as, as we're, we're gaining, you know, some, an, an important new voice. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I was talking last week with Jeff Parker, and he writes Batman 66 in the mode of the original 1966 show. And I was talking with him about the fact that he likes to flex his muscles. He likes to write straight superhero, and then he does Batman, you know, which was, follows the, the mode of the show. And he's writing other books, too. He did a book called Underground that was a, a very good book. And I always find it interesting. I can never understand. It's like an actor. How can a writer only write one kind of story? <laughs> Absolutely. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm never content unless I'm writing three books at once. And I always, I mean, if, if you look at my back uh, catalog, I jump genres a lot. Mm-hmm. I mean, a, a lot of people would loosely uh, group my, uh, you know, my body of work under, under the, the category of horror. I think that mm-hmm. maybe is a little bit narrow. Mm-hmm. But certainly, I, I want each book to be something different from what I've done, even, even if it is a sequel to something. You, know, mm-hmm. <laughs> you carry forward what was important to you about the first one, but the second one can't just retread. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a good thing. Uh, you know, diversity I, is so important, I think. You know, I've read so many superhero stories that I can usually tell in the first few pages where we're going to end up. And so I really don't like that. I would much rather be surprised. I love mm-hmm. a good surprise. Oh, absolutely. So, so for me, I just, uh, you know, that's why superhero st- books to me are starting to, I find myself buying fewer of those and actually buying more of the other kinds of stories. Yeah, much the same. Like, like, 
like what you do, and and I I think those are much more fun because I don't know what's going to happen in your books. <laughs> I'm going to be honest with you, I have no idea what's coming down the road when I read that with your stuff, and I always like that. So now, now let's wrap up Indifference Engine right now. It's, it, the second issue is that available now, or has oh, is it's, it coming? It's still uh, it, it's still in production. Okay, um, but it looks like the uh, the third chapter is going to be penciled by looks like easily the end of this month. Mm-hmm. So we're we're on for I guess maybe a, a launch of the full book. Don't quote me on this, but mm-hmm. maybe Novemberish. Okay, just because obviously I don't know how long the uh, the coloring is going to take. Mm-hmm. But uh, but Nick is to say is lettering the pages as they come in, which mm-hmm. takes a whole cycle out of the production schedule, <laughs> because that doesn't then have to be done after everything else. Mm-hmm. So yeah. well, I, I just well, it's just in time for the holidays, so people could be buying that just in time to give people who are like comics. This so. is an excellent point. Excellent point, well made. <laughs> what I would do is just tell people that's the way you planned it. You know, mm. you planned for it to come out for the holidays and stuff like that. That's always the way. So, okay, so that now you said before there were some digital parts that you could access online, right, through Comicsology and stuff. Are the parts yet for Indifference Engine Two available? No, we're, or we're, are, we're a little way off that yet because they, as I said, the first two chapters are penciled and lettered. Where they've just got to be coloured, and I don't know what the uh, the plans are, but I think typically the uh, the books, the individual chapters, would come out. At the same time as the the launch of the main book. Oh, okay. If okay. it follows the pattern of, of what they've done with the, with my previous books, I would expect mm-hmm. it all to come out at once. Now, the title of the book is that called Indiv- uh, uh, um, My brain is just <laughs> right on me there. Is it is it just called chapter like two or it, is it? Uh, it's what well, is? it's Indifference Engine Two, the Suicide Show. Ah, okay, okay, that's good. So uh, people won't get confused when they're trying to buy stuff. <laughs> When it's collected, it'll just be called Indifference Engine, or will it be? Will, will the collection have another name? The first one was the Indifference Engine, a holographic novel. Mm-hmm. Second one is Indifference Engine Two, the Suicide Show. Okay, great. Well, I'm looking forward to that because I've seen parts of it, but I haven't seen the whole thing, and I'm just dying to see that. <laughs> when it comes out, you'll have to send me a, uh, a version that I can read and I'll review it. Oh, definitely, uh, definitely. Out, so we'll do that. Now, you've got another book coming out uh, that you're working on, or has recently come out. And you sent me a copy of it, and my brain just fried here. I can't remember what, what it was. <laughs> the case of Colin Folk. Okay, right. Yeah. And uh, do you want to tell people what that's about? Sure. Okay. I mean, the case of Colin Folk is the story of a, of a man who literally makes deals with devils. Mm. So this was our, this was our uh, our pitch going in. Whether you're involved in like a, a territorial dispute with an invading parallel dimension, or simply looking to renegotiate terms with your local tooth fairy, Holland Folk <laughs> is ready to represent you. No win, no fee. And it, this started out as a little eight-page anthology insert mm. for the 11th Hour anthology by Orangutan Comics. Mm. But partway through the writing process, it kind of became fairly obvious that this story was much bigger mm. than the format was going to allow. And, they, and uh, Orangutan was gracious enough to allow us to pitch the thing as a much larger story to Marcosia. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. So, so what emerged from that was uh, the story of this respected hostage negotiator who loses his career and his credibility and his mind when this bizarre kidnapping case that he's involved in results in the inexplicable death of a child hmm. who appears to have been murdered by a loose assortment of his own imaginary friends. Mm-hmm. So when he comes out with this story and a dead child in his arms, he's, uh, he's immediately driven out of business and into this cycle of alcoholism and, and denial and, and, and despair. Mm-hmm. until 
several years later, another case emerges with all the hallmarks of the same killers. <laughs> and so Holland Falk is essentially dragged out of self-imposed exile as a changed man. Now, we, so he's got now uh, resources and, and methods that are, that are beyond the scope of conventional investigators and finally has the opportunity to set out to close the, the case that cost him his career. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. Now, is this an ongoing series or is this like a, a, a trade or how's this going to come out? It's, uh, it's going to be another trade. Okay. Um, so it's a four chapter story again um, with a ton of extras at the back of the book. And uh, I, I would expect again the digital the digital formats to be uh, to be put out in the in the in the usual ways. Mm-hmm. But cool. uh, yeah, there's always the possibility that it will go further, and you know mm-hmm. you always kind of hope that a story's got the strength to uh, continue. But we'll wait mm-hmm. and see on that. Where did you get the idea for this? Because the last time you and I talked, we were talking about Slaughterman's Creed, and you were saying you had watched a show which had to do with the slaughtering of pigs or something. A documentary. Oh God, yes. <laughs> and I, I was. I was always fascinated because I don't know, you know, as as a creative person myself, but different ways. I'm always interested in the creative process. I'm just, where did the idea for that come from? Um, wow, because we're going back to 2009 here. Let's see. I was. It's actually the second book I wrote. So I actually started work on this right after Cancer Town One, mm-hmm. and immediately before the Indifference Engine. But the idea that sort of had hit me was that I'm, I'm a huge fan of the old Columbo. TV series, and um, I really wanted to do a take on that kind of a beaten down character who somehow still has all the answers. Hmm. And I, at some point in the, uh, you know, in, in the in the mulling over period, I sort of crossbred the idea with Scooby Doo, <laughs> <laughs> and then so I had Columbo meets Scooby Doo, and mm-hmm. much as I hate, you know, the idiot pitch of this meets that, and in, in many ways contributes to the dumbing down of mm-hmm. of the. the whole industry but mm-hmm. uh i had this idea you know colombo meets, meets scooby-doo i got this offer to uh to pitch a, a short story to uh, to orangutan i thought well hell i'm just gonna because sometimes you just have to clear the mental palette you have to get the story out of your head and you know let the dice fall <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and, and but you, you have to get out of the way and and clear the deck so you can then work on you know whatever you've got to do next. So I knew I wasn't going to be able to do anything else until I had this story out of my head. Mm-hmm. And you know, little did I know that it was going to multiply in size quite so much and uh, and become something entirely different. Mm-hmm. Now, where's that in in the production system? Because I want to be able to, to let people know when they can start getting these new things from uh, you. Holland Fork is out now. So what well, is out now? Yep. Okay. It's published uh, as a trade paperback, and again, I guess the digital release has already happened or, or will be happening shortly. Great. So uh, say the name again so people can make sure that they, they, they know what it is so they can track it down. It's The Case Files of Harlan Falk. Okay. So well, that's good. So we want to make sure people get that because you gave me a copy to read and I really enjoyed it. And I want to be <laughs> able to, to uh, refer to people. And, and, and sometimes what I do is I actually take a book and, and show it to people. Now, is this available in the States in print? Uh, I believe so. Yep. Um, okay. So it's already over here. Again, I'd have to check with the publisher what the approved methods if you want the absolute best way to get a hold of a copy in the States, mm-hmm. you should uh, contact Scott James, the okay. artist on the first half of the book and the guy who's been, who's been in on this story uh, with me since the very beginning. We met on Starship Troopers. And uh, so, yeah, he, he's the guy to go to if you want the absolute best way to get it in the States because you get a signed copy and a bunch of extras from him, I'm sure. Uh, okay. Now, do you know how to get a hold of him? How do we do that? Uh, he's on uh, Facebook. Okay. 
and uh, he has his own website. Okay. I'd rather get Scott the right information.blogspot.com. Okay. I guess would be your first port of call. Okay. Should be able to follow them through that. Okay, great. Now, I noticed that you guys and uh, you and several other people, particularly from the UK, go through Marcosia over here. Mm. And I find that kind of interesting because, you know, there's a big battle going on over here in America. You know, the Marvel and DC are sort of neck and neck on some levels, and I like that. But uh, there's a bunch of other companies that are kind of fighting over the second, or the third or fourth or fifth spots. And, you know, Marcosia is one of those, because I think that companies, I think, does a very interesting thing in, in that you know it's going to be something different when you get a Marcosia book. And that's the thing I like about it so much. I often go to there, if I see something from Marcosia, I'll go out, I'll seek it out because I know it's going to be something new and different. And uh, so for me, I think you guys fit in there perfectly with that. Is there some reason, is it easier for you guys over there in the UK to work with Marcosia here in the States? I've been treated very well, I have to say, because, I mean, I was previously, some of my, my work was being put out by a company called Insomnia, mm-hmm. and there were various problems, and they, they, they eventually folded. And mm-hmm. I had some work with Marcosia already, mm-hmm. And so I, I had Slotman's Creed with them and, and, you know, a couple of other things, Sasha Jupiter and so on. And they kind of swept in and kind of just adopted what otherwise would have been orphaned books. Mm. So, you know, books, so when a, the company, we, you know, it was a long and bitter struggle to get the contracts back from, uh, from Insomnia. And, and it, was, it was the whole thing with a terrible mess and nobody really understands what happened. But mm. the good thing that came out of that, you know, <laughs> that nightmare of recrimination and, and regret was... Uh, <laughs> was that you know, Marcosia stepped in and picked up a lot of these orphaned titles and gave them the launch that they deserved. And a lot of people, I mean, a lot of people who could have basically lost their big break mm-hmm. in comics got a second chance at it <laughs> through that. So, yeah, I mean, you, that earns you a little bit of loyalty, I think. It's like, you know, mm-hmm. And if you, if you have a, a good experience working with a company, you're keen to do it again. Mm-hmm. And, and Marcosia, I think, has always cultivated that kind of relationship with the creative talent. So, Great. Well, that's good. Now, it occurs to me, because I'm at Majorspoilers.com now, and there may be some folks who haven't been exposed to your books there. And so what I would like to do is, if you can give me something like a chronological thing about how your company... Was Cancer Town the first book you wrote? Uh, it was the first creator-owned book, yeah. Okay. Because uh, okay. I've been doing Starship Troopers in various forms for a, a couple of years before that, in fact. But yeah, so Cancer Town was, was my first Mm-hmm. And then, while that was in production, I signed contracts on Slaughterman's Creed, mm-hmm. uh, and then the Indifference Engine, the first one of those. Mm-hmm. Uh, right then, what are we talking about? White Knuckle. Yeah, I think that was that was the one I talked with with you about mm. last. Yeah. That was a good one. I, that was a, I want to talk a little bit about that because in case people haven't seen it, this is another case of inspiration striking you in a way that I probably wouldn't be stricken. You know, <laughs> as I remember, you said that you were on a like a what a subway or a, of a bus, and there was a gentleman there, and he was like rubbing his hand. Right. Yeah. There was a guy well into his seventies. Uh, just on, it was on a, on a, the London Underground, so you know, just a, sitting on a train, and he was you know obviously very withdrawn, and body language was very closed. Mm-hmm. And I travelled for like I guess three or four stops, <laughs> sitting opposite mm-hmm. this guy, as mm-hmm. he sort of. He was kneading and, and squeezing and, and rubbing at his hands and looking at them as it occurred to me mm-hmm. with this increasing and inexorable sense of horror. 
that like they were something alien that he didn't recognize and wasn't properly in control of. Obviously, I mean, I guess what had happened was it was the you know, middle of winter and the guy had arthritis in his knuckles or something and was having some discomfort. But to me at that time, in that three or four stops journey, I, I had developed an entire backstory for this, uh, this guy. Um, was that he was a, a former, you know, 40 years ago, had been a serial strangler with a, a string of victims going over like 10 years. Mm. And now, you know, 70 odd and just and tormented by this lifetime of monstrous violence. Now hmm. he's sort of living on the, on the verge of poverty, just quietly awaiting the death that he knows he deserves. Wow. And uh, yeah, so what emerged from that was, uh, was White Knuckle, mm-hmm. uh, the story of this former monster desperately trying to outlive his legacy, mm-hmm. gets turned into a local celebrity when he inadvertently saves the life of his last victim's grandson. Hmm. See, that story gripped me, because it was so unlike anything I'd ever read before. I, I, I just, just well, most of your stories are that way. But this one, to me, was a really good one, because, you know, it, that's another thing that draws me to your writing, is that the people leap off the page at me. You know, they breathe for me. Because it's not standard stuff, you know. It's not some guy like, like Jimmy Olsen just running around carrying a camera. We don't know who the heck he is or any of this stuff about him. But you develop the characters in such a way, and this was, White Knuckle was that way, was that we're not exactly sure what's going to happen to him. And it's, it's such a great character in that I kind of was looking at him and going like, man, you know, I, I could imagine you writing a whole bunch of, of uh, books on this guy. Oh, I mean, it's, I think it all comes back to the character. You've got nothing without the characters, without strongly, you know, persuasively realized characters. And, and I mean, obviously, a lot of that comes down to the physical performances that they're given, uh, you know, by necessity by the art teams. Mm-hmm. So you can, you know, you do your best to sort of steer and, and sculpt and, and what have you. But mm-hmm. uh, you know, with a, you always get back something that has got a, another point of view on it, which I think is a, you know, it's an important thing. This collaborative process. It's not just always one person's vision, you've always got at least one more set of eyes and set of perspectives that help to round these things out, to flesh them out and make them more, more uh, you know, make them breathe more. Mm-hmm. Well, if anybody out there is writing down, this is White Knuckle, which I really like. Now, when did Cancer Town 2 come into the picture? Was that before White Knuckle or after? Uh, after, I believe. After, okay. I think. So we're going chronologically, all right, we're still on, on target here. Now, after Cancer Town 2, which was a continuation of that story, which I really enjoyed, that was, <laughs> that was out there. Oh, <laughs> and the, uh, after Cancer Town 2, now, are we caught up now as far as things go? Are there other projects that... Uh, I that, think that's it on the publish. Obviously, I've got a, a mountain, I've got a metric ton, I think, <laughs> at last, uh, of anthology stories and one-shots. And so on, but, but for the for the creator-owned graphic novels, I think that's that's that. There was an art book as well that I did with a uh, 2000 AD artist called uh, Henry Flint, which mm-hmm. is uh, really all I did was uh, I added a few words to his mm-hmm. pictures because that that really is his show. But there's Christ, what have I got? So Indifference Engine two and uh, a book called uh, Phantom Lung and the Garden of Dead Liars coming oh. out with uh, with Marcosi. They're already signed. Those scripts are done. Oh, wow. What's that about, man? Is that something you can talk about? Or do yeah, we have to wait? sure, yeah. Oh, okay, well, what's that all about? Because I'm not oh, the title to right away interested. Sure. It's a, a story about the one successful product of Russian remote viewing experimentation during the Cold War hmm. resurfaces decades later and embarks on a murderous crusade against anyone connected with the program that created him. Hmm. Uh, so, so essentially what you've wow. got is a body-swapping spy 
mm-hmm. who's uh, you know, the victim of massive paranoid delusions. Wow. And everywhere he goes, he leaves borrowed, stolen, and murdered bodies in his wake. Okay, wow. <laughs> okay, and who's doing the artwork on this? That's going to be Russ Leach again. That's the book that I hooked oh, him good. into. So oh, uh, we, we could expect that one to be turned out in record time. Oh. <laughs> I've got, um, do you remember, did we talk about Barry Nugent's Unseen Shadows project? Yes, yes. Well, we did last time, but this time we haven't. Yeah, yeah. Uh, why don't you explain a little bit in case somebody isn't familiar with it? Well, Barry is, uh, Barry is a novelist and mm-hmm. one of the, uh, the podcasting giants of the UK comic scene. Mm-hmm. And um, his, uh, his first novel, Fallen Heroes, mm-hmm. it became an Amazon bestseller, <laughs> like in a heartbeat. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, he felt, because uh, he'd met certain people you know, throughout his career in, in, the, uh, in, the, in podcasting and, and going to conventions and so on, and he'd met a lot of creators, and he thought, well, he maybe he felt, and I don't know whether it was, the idea originally came from him or whether mm-hmm. somebody presented it to him, mm-hmm. that there was a lot of scope for expansion into mm-hmm. other media. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, there have been audio books, there's been... Uh, Talk of adaptations that I don't know how far those discussions have gone ahead, so I don't know what I can say about them. But uh, mm-hmm. and I know mm-hmm. I've been a, a bunch of comics that have come out, mm-hmm. and I've been responsible for my share of them. Just expanding that universe, mm-hmm. and it's sort of like a supernatural crime thriller. I mean, it, mm-hmm. it it busts a lot of those genres. There's a lot of spycraft in it, and there's a lot of you know revenge-driven psychopath and <laughs> uh, demon-hunting college professors, and 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 just a yeah, an incredibly rich world, an incredibly mm-hmm. diverse world. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I've had a couple of short stories just spinning off characters from the novel. And mm-hmm. uh, I've got three more, actually, currently, as I think about it in production. I've got two more short stories, mm-hmm. one called Eye of Stone, one called mm-hmm. Whatever the Cost. The script on that has just been approved. And mm-hmm. the first spin-off full-length graphic novel called Blood Cries Out. Oh, Again, wow. th- these are all taking characters and situations from Barry's now e- extremely extensive background world mm. and just exploring them and casting different lights on them and seeing what shadows strike off and so on, you know. Mm-hmm. The first character you did was a minister of some sort. I'm the Reverend, to Jonathan Bishop. The Reverend, that's, that's right. That's right. That was a crazy story, <laughs> I have to say. Well, yeah, and, and actually that's, we've seen in the novel, we see the Reverend at kind of the end of his arc. Mm-hmm. So the, it's at the point, again, I, without sort of spoiling too much about it, it's a character who's in search of a good set of circumstances for orchestrating the end of his own story. Hmm. And so when I did Wrath of God, my first short, I picked the Reverend as the character that I wanted to use, and I wanted to see what would have to launch a man on a trajectory that you know, would give him such velocity that he would impact the way he did in the Fallen Heroes novel. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, the, we did the origin story, Barry did the final reel, and Blood Cries Out is the midpoint. So we've mm. now charted this, the whole progression of this character mm. between us. Yeah, so it's, it's now, it, we're talking now about you know, the Reverend at the, at the peak of his arc. Mm-hmm. And finally, for the first time, really encountering a threat that he may not actually be physically and spiritually equipped to deal with. Wow, okay. A, a, a real test of faith. Yeah, uh, not, not for a pun or anything like that. That's uh, kind of interesting, of course, the Reverend, that uh, the, those kinds of uh, titles come naturally, I suppose, to that. Yeah. So he's, t- he's been the one, basically, you've been writing about for uh, Barry's stuff. 
For those two stories, yes. Okay. Uh, the other but ones the, I've done Napoleon Stone, who's his, mm-hmm. who's the Demon Stalker. I've done Bob Kelsey, who's kind of uh, well. As I, my take on him was that he's kind of Yo know, Kolchak, the Night Stalker. Mm-hmm. That old TV series, a f- fascinating show. Never seen anything else like it, really. But uh, <laughs> yeah, that um, you know, a reporter who keeps meeting vampires and mummies, and, and somehow mm-hmm. because he has the, the you know the survival instincts of a feral rat. Uh, managing to escape, and so you know, I've, uh, I kind of played on this idea of what, what it takes to be a normal human being in this world populated by heroes and monsters, mm-hmm. and what kind of man it takes to survive in the middle of that. Mm-hmm. Very cool, very cool. I, I, that should be fun, a lot of fun to read. Now, when those come out, are, do those come to the states, or are those largely UK? How does this work with Barry stuff? <sighs> Uh, you may have to ask him to get more specific details, but yeah, I, I know that uh, they hit Comicsology, and I, I think maybe the iTunes store is, is uh, for, for, certainly you know, the digital editions are available anywhere. Okay. Uh, the physical ones, I don't know. Okay, because I haven't heard of those over here. I, I've, uh, you know, as I, I try to frequent several stores, and I've never seen anybody. And I've talked with people sometimes, and they always say that the UK stuff is a little harder to get in print. Yeah, it is. So. It's, it's tough to get it out there as widely as, as we'd like to. The model for getting books into comic stores is challenging. Mm-hmm. I would recommend the digital at this point, you know, for a lot of stuff. I've actually started buying, like, if I'm behind on something and I'm trying to catch up, and I go to the stores and I can't find the issues that I'm missing, I'll go buy the digital versions. Mm. And then uh, that fills me in so I can actually keep up with the regular comics now that they're going on. So I think that's kind of cool. That's a wise that's- policy, yeah. Yeah, and of course, DC Comics makes me double dip. They make me, uh, they, they'll put out like Batman Beyond digitally, and then they'll put out a print version of the same thing. And I'll want a print version to take home with me so mm. I can keep it, you know, in case something happens to my iPad or something like that. So, oh, yeah, yeah. Very cool. So good stuff. So, okay, are there any other projects we should be aware of, or is that pretty much going to hold you for a little while? Um, well, I think that's most of what I can really talk about. Uh, I mean, except to say I've got five other books currently in various stages of, uh, of development, wow. <laughs> four wow. of which have got art teams already assigned, then we're looking to start pitching those around quite seriously very soon. One I'm still working on because it's the one that started off as an all-ages superhero book and has turned into something slightly more apocalyptic along the way. <laughs> I still would like to see you do a superhero book because that would be something interesting, something different. So maybe I'll have to do a, a more apocalyptic superhero book <laughs> instead of a other stuff. It'd be, it'd be so much fun to see you deal with superheroes. I'll keep you posted on that one because I'm finding it very satisfying. It's a very interesting challenge to write something like this. And it's, the basic conceit of it, I think, is something on the one hand blindingly obvious. On the other hand, I've never seen it anywhere done before. So mm. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm kind of spending the whole time when I'm talking to people you know, quietly in corners. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm constantly waiting for someone to say, oh, you mean you've just rewritten such and such a thing. I'm oh. waiting for that moment. You know, It hasn't happened yet. So I'm, I'm waiting for somebody to tell me how stupid the idea is, and no one's done it yet. So we'll see. <laughs> we'll see about that. There's a book over here in the States called Ghosted that's written by Joshua Williamson. And then the very first book, of the, it, was, it was originally a miniseries, and it turned into an ongoing and the, the very first thing had to do with this one guy was being hired by a very rich man to like collect a ghost. 
And for the life of me, I couldn't figure how in the world you're going to do that. You can't put them in jars. You can't. <laughs> how in the world are you going to collect them? And you know, I didn't know what to, how he was going to do it. And I had a chance to interview him shortly after it came out. And the first issue, and of course, he wrapped up the miniseries later on. He, something was made perfect sense. And you reminded me of him because he was going around saying to people, because they would ask him, how in the world are you going to do this? <laughs> and he would tell them the answer, and they would go, oh, man, that's too easy. That's too simple, and sure enough, it was. It was a very good way to do it, and I always think this is what makes you guys, as writers, something different than, than and makes me a reader. For the life of me, sometimes I cannot figure possibly what's going to do, and I love that. I love not being able to tell what's going to happen. So, boy, keep up that great work, and keep coming up with the great and original stories and the, and the, the great characters and things like that. I just think you're doing a wonderful job, Si. Oh, brilliant. Thanks very much. People need dramatic examples to shake them out of apathy, and I can't do that as Bruce Wayne. As a man, I'm flesh and blood. I can be ignored. I can be destroyed, but as a symbol. Get the latest from the comics universe. News, interviews, previews, and reviews. Listen to the weekly Wayne's Comics Podcast so you can keep reading your comics. Now at Majorspoilers.com. This week I've got a couple of news stories that I think you should be aware of. The very first has to do with Arrow from the CW. We recently got word, and it was good word, that the channel has renewed it for a third season. That's been a great thing, and I got to talk with Mark Guggenheim uh, back in episode 117. He couldn't release that at that point, I'm sure, but uh, it, I couldn't imagine anything else but it being renewed. The important part is that it's going to be a sure thing moving forward. In fact, they're talking about this. They're just getting started on Arrow. The spinoff is still planned with The Flash, but we haven't heard much about that yet. So we'll see what goes on with that. Another show that's been renewed that actually has been a comic is Supernatural. And I was reading where that has done a wonderful job on Tuesday night with Rain. That's R-E-I-G-N on Tuesday nights. giving them the strongest Tuesday nights they've had in a long, long time on the CW. So I think that's really cool. The other bit of news was that this past week we had Batman 28 come out which had a prequel to the upcoming Batman Eternal book and it was really good. We didn't have Mr. Capullo doing the artwork which I kind of expect on the Batman book but the artwork was really good and I liked it a lot. It introduces spoiler into the DC universe again and we also get to see a certain character we've bumped into several times in the past now is a superhero called Bluebird. I won't spoil that at this point. I'm sure if you want to pick up the book you can find out some good stuff about it. There's more information coming out about Batman Eternal as well. Indications have come out now that in May there's going to be art by Andy Clark in issue number five. Red Robin takes center stage in a major Gotham City mystery that has Harper and Cullen Rowe caught in the crosshairs. Then Trevor McCarthy provides the art in number six, saying that something hellish is brewing in the tunnels under Arkham Asylum. That'll be something interesting. Of course, the main writing team is going to be Scott Snyder, James Tynan IV, Ray Fox, John Lyman, who's only going to be there for a short time, and Tim Seeley for each issue. And of course, John Lyman will be replaced eventually by Kyle Higgins. So I'm looking forward to that weekly comic. It's going to make people go to the comic stores on a very regular basis, I have a feeling. So keep an eye out for Batman Eternal. And that's the news for this week. 
And that's a wrap for this episode. Be back next time for more news, interviews, and other good things. But until then, keep reading your comics. You'll never win, Joker. I'll always be here to stop you. Shopify helps you sell at every stage of your business. Like that, let's put it online and see what happens stage. And the site is live. That we opened a store and need a fast checkout stage. Thanks, you're all set. That count it up and ship it around the globe stage. This one's going to Thailand. And that, wait, did we just hit a million orders stage? Whatever your stage, businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for your $1 a month trial at shopify.com slash listen. Okay, here's the situation. Our daughter Mia is leaving for her first sleepover. We have friends coming to stay, and we just got a puppy. So I go on Instacart and solve everything in one order from Kohl's. Fun PJs for Mia. Oh, new bedding for the guest room. And a vacuum cleaner that actually picks up pet hair. All delivered in as fast as 30 minutes. With Kohl's on Instacart, there's no such we can't fix. Visit instacart.com to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. $10 minimum order. Additional terms apply.